Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ordinary Podcast. I'm back here again, and today's episode is actually really special because it is done in conjunction with one of my classes at college. And this entire episode actually going to be a deliverable for that class, um, an English class, a public discourse on the environment. I'm very excited for it today because I've been doing a lot of research, um, essentially just spent a lot of time preparing the content and materials for this one. It will be a little bit different from what I normally do. Um, normally I would talk about lifestyle, kind of like personal growth, reflection, all that on this platform. But today, I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk about the environment. So the topic that I chose for this class is the environmental practices of multinational companies in Vietnam. And the reason why I picked this is, of course, because this class is about the environment and I would have to discuss something about the environment. So that's why I chose that topic. Specifically, I've actually work for two multinational companies, both of which are very um, kind of asset-heavy manufacturing type of business, and they do consume a lot of raw materials and also churn out a lot of products, physical products and waste, and they also use a lot of energy. That's why I'm very curious into looking more on how multinational companies work, how they conduct their sustainability plants, And one of the things I'm going to cover is how media covers their multinational companies' sustainability practices because I, just a quick Google search, you will see that most, if not all, of the articles available online are very, very positive. And I always wonder if this is just because they are written by the company themselves or if like the local media was paid or collaborated to write something good about those companies and so today i'm going to dig deeper into that look at research paper and as well as looking at news online news sources and any available sources online about how multinational companies treat the environment here in vietnam um, how what is their sustainability plan and whether they are choosing Vietnam as kind of like a pollution haven so that they can kind of escape the eyes and the regulation of more um, regulated countries like the US or European country with very strict environmental laws. So we're all going to dig deep into that today. So for the first part, I'm going to provide an overview of multinational companies in Vietnam. Um, what they are, their background, their importance in the economy, how they have influenced, um, of course, the economy and the business scene in Vietnam. So first, I would like to define the term multinational company. So multinational company, it's a corporate organization that owns or controls the production of goods or services in at least one country other than its home country. So for example, Starbucks is headquartered in Seattle, the United States, but it's still operates stores in Vietnam. So that makes them a multinational company. So why this topic um, is interesting to me, what draws me in, um, that's actually because Vietnam is actually a very quick growing emerging market with you know really high GDP growth year over year and it really has been a hot destination for foreign direct investment and multinational corporations to set up their plants 
in operations. Vietnam actually ranks among the world's top 15 countries in attracting foreign direct investment. And so multinational companies are flocking into Vietnam um, and experiencing high growth. You know, along with it is really the potential um, carbon footprints and pollution. I really want to explore further whether these MNCs are doing their part, adhering with local and international environmental laws, and even further preserving the environment. You know, multinational companies, for the most part, face more stringent rules and regulations in developed countries because they have very like high scrutiny and regulation from the government as well as nonprofit organizations and even consumers. In developing economies, however, you know, the environmental initiatives are mostly voluntary. And in Vietnam specifically, since 2010, of course, we the government has issued like a v- series of policies and regulations related to climate change reductions. But really, the deployment of these policies has been pretty limited because there is a lack of like general guidelines and funding and even imposition targets, imposition of like emission reduction targets. So for most company, they are just adhering to these um rules and laws and guidelines by like on a voluntary basis more than anything some successful multinational companies in vietnam include like unilever procter and gamble both of which i'm pretty sure most of you have heard of they produce just very common um, personal body care products and even food like ice cream um, and chili sauce also there's like pepsico producing of course um, non-caffeinate, non-alcoholic beverage, and IBM, there's Microsoft, Nestle with their milk and their food, Samsung, which is Korean technology, electronics company, and of course Coca-Cola. These companies have really shaped and transformed consumer habits and business landscape in Vietnam. A lot of them dominate like supermarkets and convenience stores with their products, and most of them take up large market share in their respective industry. For example, I remember, you know, they created these advertising campaigns and habits for consumers that are like really deeply ingrained and associated with events. So for example, for me, I live in the north of Vietnam in the capital called Hanoi. And for Coca, Coca-Cola in the north, they take up a huge market share comparing to Pepsi in the south. And I remember every year, at the Lunar New Year occasion, they would all always have this like similar advertising, kind of like um, how like a family reunites during Lunar New Year and how like opening a Coke will allow for this yellow, like this golden bird to fly around, signaling that the spring is here. And it's just very like family oriented. It makes you feel very warm and happy. And that type of advertisement it shows it how deeply Coca-Cola is integrated into the culture and understanding of the people and of our habits here in Vietnam. And so from those advertising campaigns, Coke has really succeeded in like boosting sales like maximal in for like the special holidays because the biggest holiday in Vietnam is Lunar New Year. And like for me personally, and I know that a lot of people too, we kind of associated having a holiday with their product with coke products and so that's like one of the ways that it's shifting consumer habits and really like attitudes 
And also with Unilever, they have a lot of products like Lifebuoy, um, which is not too popular in the U.S. I don't think it really sells in the U.S. because Procter & Gamble mainly sells in the U.S. But for Unilever to have Lifebuoy, it's one of the most popular like hand-washing um, like hand wash gel here in Vietnam. And they have this massive campaigns in elementary schools that teach kids how to wash their hands, teach kids when to wash their hands and all of the kind of like the basic sanitary practices. These little campaigns and how they kind of introduce their product to school and to kids at a very young age. It's how they kind of train consumers to kind of buy their products in longer term. Because I remember when I was younger, um, there was this widespread campaign of Unilever bringing in their products of Lifebuoy into our school. So that's something that it's really impressive and interesting to me of how multinational companies really kind of change how we consume and how we live our life here in Vietnam. For my research, I have found two main research that really support what I've been trying to find for multinational companies, environmental practices. The first one identifies climate change strategies adopted by companies in developing countries, and it takes data of both domestic and multinational companies. So this one is real interesting because it kind of compares how domestic companies are doing comparing to multinational companies in terms of um, climate change initiatives. The second research paper was about analysis on kind of emission propensities for multinational companies, state-owned enterprises, and private companies. Um, so essentially the same thing, putting all these companies together and seeing which ones are doing worse in terms of kind of um, emissions of different forms. It could be gas, it could be liquid, it could be um, solid, and kind of compare it between one another. So these two research papers I'm going to dig into. So for the first paper that I look into, it identifies climate change strategies adopted by companies in Vietnam. And so this data is collected on various companies operating in like 10 energy intensive industries, think, or in gas, chemicals, paper, transportation, industrial, food and drink. Um, and the results come back that multinational companies engage in like a lot of climate change activities and have a high level of kind of climate change implementation, climate change activities implementation than those of domestic firms. And... The most active companies in working in this realm are larger in size and usually from Europe, the United States, and Japan. This is really interesting that is this finding finds it that because it really looks into companies of three different types of company, state-owned, private domestic, and multinational companies, and it founds that multinational companies carry out more climate change activities. Um, but of course, MNCs and domestic companies are under, you know, significantly different amounts of pressure from regulations. And, you know, domestic companies are governed by more of their government. Multinational companies operate internationally and they may be under higher scrutiny um, between not only their local government, but also international guidelines in their home, um, their home country regulations and so on. Some other interesting finding is that 
companies from South Korea, Austria, and Italy have a little bit lower um, activities in like the climate change realm activities. So for the second research that I look into, it is an analysis on kind of emission propensities for multinational companies, state-owned enterprise, and private companies. And this was done in 2004, which is actually a long time ago. So what does it essentially covers? It basically records the emission of three different types. We have gas, liquid, and solid for these three types of companies. And they also look into hundreds of companies and see um, what are the propensities of them, you know, putting out waste into the environment. So the results come back that multinational companies tended to have, you know, relatively lower propensities in a few industries, while state-owned enterprise actually have really high ratios um, in kind of like waste emissions in a few more industries. And of course, um, in most industry year combination, there are like differences and there's some industry who, uh, industry which put out more waste than the other ones. Um, but generally, when looking at the data that th- this research paper provides, I can see that there's a general trend that multinational companies produce less waste and also have like the propensities to um, emit less waste. But I would say that either the private, the domestic private, or the state owned enterprises have really much higher. Um, emission propensities. Moving on to the online news source, I've actually picked a couple of online news to dig into and analyze. So the first one is by an international news page called ASEANtoday.com and it's actually one of those rare articles that report on the negative side of like multinational companies, environmental practices in Vietnam. It covers mostly on like industrial construction industry like semen and steel, um, and it gives out a statistic that environmental regulations were breached at 80% of Vietnam industrial parks, meaning that out of all industrial parks in Vietnam, 80 of them have some type of um, environmental breach. And also an estimation of 60% of regulation breaches are backed up by foreign investment. Um, this statistic actually really intrigues me because... For one, this article doesn't cite its sources, so I really don't know where it gets its number from exactly. And the second thing is that with 60% of regulation breaches with foreign investment, this is a really high percentage. And I haven't really like found any similar paper that gives out this, so I'm not sure how to understand this. But, you know, looking at this, this is what it says. Um... So a couple of really like publicized incidents. The first one is the Formosa plastics in Hat Thinh province in Vietnam. So um, that happened in 2016. And Formosa is a subsidiary of a Taiwanese conglomerate, which was alleged to have illegally released toxic waste into the sea and causing massive fish death along like a 200 kilometer stretch of coastline. This incident was one of those incidents that were really, really popular among common people. And then it was also on like the national news and it was the topic of discussion for a lot of people, which is rare in Vietnam because we don't really discuss about environmental um, scandals like these. And this incident has affected 
450 hectares of coral reefs and then it basically killed a lot of the nature natural ecosystem in this coastal areas and around 70 tons of dead fish will wash ashore a lot of the families who live in this area they rely on fishing for their livelihood and from this you know incident hundreds of families were heavily affected you know they have to find new ways to you know make a living and it was a really bad situation and of course you know according to the ministry of labor actually more than 40,000 people in vietnam and workers who rely on fishing and tourism were directly affected and really a quarter of a million people in our entire country felt the repercussions of this spill you know this was really this incident was felt heavily and truly was among one of those worst environmental pollution in vietnam for the second incident that I'm going to talk about, which is also very heavily publicized, was Vedan Company in 2008. This company produced um, kind of food seasoning, and it's 100% backed by also Taiwanese investors. And the thing it has done is that it has sent direct liquid waste into a river in Dong Nai province in the southern of Vietnam without little or any waste treatment beforehand, and of course not meeting environmental laws and regulations of waste treatment. So actually this practice is only known by a handful of people within the company and it has been done discreetly for 14 years without the authority knowing anything. Um, the excretion of the waste includes cyanide, which is a very high toxicity. And you know, when the authority measures that amount, they found that the cyanide release into the river exceeded the accepted amount up to 34 times. But um, yeah, so that's the two biggest environmental incidents that if you mention it to any Vietnamese people I'm pretty sure that they know about that other than these two or like a couple of handful of other I don't see many other publicized incidents like this either because of the degree of damage or because those companies were able to kind of pay the media or do something that it does not cover um but uh, course i think if we talk about the bad side definitely we should also look at the more positive side i think that always not lost you know i still do believe that there are certain companies who are making more positive impact to the environment you know just a quick research online you can find many articles covering how multinational companies are joining initiatives and projects to combat pollution and climate change um, one of the articles i found is kind of a collaboration of three companies with the Ministry of Natural Resources and Environment to build like collaboration to drive circular economy for plastic waste management. So this one was by three companies, Unilever, Dow, and SGC. And its goal was to like share knowledge and transfer technology and raise public awareness around like plastic waste management. You know, as you know, companies like Unilever, they produce hundreds if not thousands and millions of like plastic bottles and just basically disposables containers into the environment even things using like the shampoo bottles and chow gel bottles and the um like the mouthwash bottles they're all plastic and so i think it is reasonable that they found themselves in a position where they're responsible to spearheading and kind of promoting these activities because they they are the people who are really sending out one of the most plastic in the market and so i think this is a really um, positive initiative 
the second initiative that I found is by Nisli, which has joined, you know, the movement, of course, similarly, reducing plastic waste. And they also work closely with the Prime Minister and the Ministry of Natural Resources. So they have very noble goals, like recycling and reusing 100% of their product packaging by 2025 and having 100% of waste being collected and classified at the factory gates, 100% of its factories not burying solid waste in the environment. Um, and then she's basically proactively responding to you know, collecting single-use plastic and non-biodegradable bags at the company site. So one thing I'd say about these initiatives and activity is that you know, they sound very big, they sound very exciting, and they they make you feel really good. But of course, you know, I'd say more than ever, it, it kind of leans more toward the corporate social responsibility side. It's not proactively doing from like the root cause, but it's just addressing like the end of the problems. So for example, these companies, they're producing like tons and tons of plastic waste. And then after that, they go chase after those waste and trying to get it back and kind of recycle but if only they could think more upstream like think of how they can you know basically reduce the weight or change the type of materials or the biodegradability from the beginning i think that's definitely a more sustainable and a more impactful way to affect the environment um a lot of these things i'm pretty sure that a lot of people are doubtful if they're just performative activism and because there are really no organizations here in Vietnam to gauge or check or analyze the impact these companies are announcing. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds very normal and exciting. But as consumers and outstanders, we don't really know the actual impact they're making. So I was actually able to get in touch with someone who worked in the environmental health and safety department at one of the biggest multinational companies here in Vietnam. Um, of course, that person who helped me to be remains anonymous and also looking at the company name. But rest assured that this is definitely a company that you have heard of and it's a really big one in Vietnam as well. So I did talk to her and got some information about like the policy of its multinational companies. And I found out that they have like some of the main pillars. Like the first one, it's compliance with environmental laws. The second one is just to improve production process in any capacity possible to reduce waste and reduce energy. Um, and the third one is just cooperations and development with researchers and engineers who are able to um, help them engineer process and help them engineer materials so that um, they can reduce waste when necessary or change type of materials. Um, and so they also have three areas of environment, resources protection like water, reduction of CO2 emissions, greenhouse gases, and re- reduction of you know plastic consumption. And from my conversation with her, um, this person said that you know there are key performance indicators set for sustainability initiatives too, like waste reduction and waste treatment processes and energy use, but mostly you know these initiatives are just on the sideline more so compliance with the law more than anything and of course profitability is still put on top and you know they need to be profitable beforehand and of course comply with the law but i definitely think that the sustainability perspectives are put at the back burner and it's not the priority of this company 
you know, on their website, however, they, you know, have, they talk a lot about their corporate social responsibility and they talk about their volunteer, their staff volunteer trips to like pick up garbage and like recycle. But internally in the operations, it's a really different story. So, yep, I would say that for this company, it's a multinational company, one of the biggest in the world. And it really looks at sustainability initiatives as a second thought. And definitely profitability is still put on top. So just to sum up everything, this has been a really long episode with a lot of information thrown at you. And I'm pretty sure you're like burdened with a lot of information already. You know, I can say that from the research that I found and just the reading and everything and also the inside look into a multinational company, you know, I can make like a not definitive but kind of somewhat conclusion that multinational companies for the most part are doing relatively well in terms of environmental practices comparing to for example state-owned enterprises or domestic private firms they are at least for the most part adhering to um, government you know public policy and you know generally they have higher proactivity in climate change activities like research that I found and of course like I said this is natural due to their increased scrutiny and the higher standards that they have to meet because they're multinational companies um, and also I'd say that they have more capital they have more just you know gray matter and capabilities to do all of this environmental protection and sustainability initiatives comparing to the more less advanced companies here in vietnam so i hope you've learned something from this episode i have really put a lot of time into researching and kind of understanding the landscape and how things are working i've actually really learned a lot about how environmental practices are done by most different types of companies here and it's just really interesting research and project that I was able to do for this class I really hope you you know learned something from this if you have any insight or thought or comment on whatever I've said or any of your experiences working for a company that has something interesting to say about environmental practice please feel free to engage with me um, through my social media or my email so thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode